reading this evening from Mark chapter 5 as we continue in our exploration of Mark's gospel and the way that Jesus walked and talked with his disciples. So I'm reading from Mark chapter 5 starting at verse 1. They, that is Jesus and the disciples, came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled, says the Gospel of the Lord. I don't know about you, but uh, as I was growing up, I absolutely loved horses. One of my earliest memories, I think, is being lifted up on front of my uh, the saddle on my aunt's horse. Um, I probably was only about two or three at the time. But like many little girls, also my favourite books included My Friend Flicker and this idea of uh, getting a wild pony and training it and it becoming like your best friend. Just such a lovely image. And I've always enjoyed watching horses, not only riding them, but watching them. And so seeing them uh, doing dressage or being used as police horses or cavalry, the way that horses are so powerful and yet can be so beautifully trained to do things. And those images of perhaps a horse trainer standing in the middle of a ring and gradually gaining the trust of a horse you'll see these wild ponies go into a ring and then gradually coming across, maybe getting a little treat out of the trainer's hand and then eventually being able to walk, uh, well, first a bit and then a halter and then walking on a lunge rein and eventually taking a saddle and somebody riding it and then all sorts of opportunities open up after that. There's something so glorious about uh, a well-trained horse doing its thing. 
And today people prefer the term training or even gentling rather than breaking a horse. But for our purposes today, I'd love us to linger with that phrase, what it means to break a horse. And then that uh, even when talking about horses, it's not really about breaking them, but it's about wooing them uh, and giving a form to their creativity. A horse who is broken is able to do so much more than a horse that is unbroken. So I'd love you to just keep that image in your mind as we go back and look at the demoniac for a moment. Think about that, what it means to be a trained horse. But the other image which I'd like you to also perhaps hold in parallel is another one. I was sitting with someone this week and um, they were cradling their baby and their baby just did not want to go to sleep. But it was overtired and a bit cranky. And just thinking again about the way a baby arches its back and maybe grumbles and groans and fights sleep sometimes even when uh, it would definitely be the best thing for it to just fall asleep in its mother's arms. And again, that's a strong image of how we sometimes respond to God. So let's think for a moment about the demoniac uh, and the way that in many ways, as a broken man, he comes to see his will being uh, trained by the Holy Spirit. We don't know much about the demoniac. We don't know how he got into this mess he's in. Perhaps he started by simply getting involved in some behavior which he thought he could control. A few bad choices here and there and the slippery slope begins. But now he looks like a crazy guy living among the tombs, chained and shackled by his neighbors. And being chained and shackled sort of implies that they had something around his wrists and his ankles. They were desperately trying to control this man um, by force and to stop him frightening perhaps their children or whatever. And so he's up there with these broken chains and uh, gashing at himself with rocks and in a place of so much death, living amongst the tombs, a very unclean spot. And his nearest neighbours are pigs, unclean animals. Also, just everything around him is, is the stench of death. And he's naked. His guy is absolutely nothing. Just um, a scary man. Today he would probably be incarcerated and his behaviour may be attributed to demons, but also perhaps he might have been thought to be mentally ill. But in this case, Jesus diagnoses him as a demoniac and responds accordingly. But right at the beginning of the story, there's a lovely moment as the man who runs to Jesus and kneels at his feet. What a moment of open submission to Jesus. Note that when the scriptures are talking, it talks about the demons crying out. It's the man himself who kneels, and he, but the demons shout. The man trusts Jesus not to hurt, and hurt him or frighten him like the neighbors have and the demons have. And so he does the only thing that is really very sensible, and he kneels at Jesus' feet. Meanwhile, the demon within the man is crying out to Jesus, and he recognizes Jesus and says, Jesus, son of the most high God, because titles can be helpful in constraining a conversation. There are so many curious things about the story, and one of them, one of them is right there, when Jesus then courteously responds to the demon, asks him his name, and then he speaks a word to the legion of demons. A legion is about 6,000 soldiers, and so this demonization was significant and extensive. 
But as Jesus casts out the demons, the man is within minutes in his right mind, healed, restored, somehow dressed, and sitting calmly at Jesus' feet. Jesus displays his immense authority. There is nothing in the story which says anything other than Jesus is in complete control. Jesus is active. He steps towards the man and he deals with these demons with clarity and confidence. And it's the demons who are afraid as they wail and complain as they are ultimately destroyed with all the pigs. Another strange part of the story. There does seem to be some form of compression in the story because um, there's enough time for the herdsmen to watch this, to see the pigs get drowned and to run off and tell the people in the town who come and see what has happened. And here's a sad part of the story. The neighbours come from the nearby town and they see this guy who's been absolutely crazy and out of his mind and who they've been frightened of and trying to control. And he is completely healed and sitting at Jesus' feet. And then they're frightened of Jesus. And they ask him to go away. What a, what a loss for them. And so Jesus does begin to leave. And the man rushes up to him and asks if he can go with Jesus. And Jesus turns to him and speaks again with great compassion and tells him no, that he needs to go and tell people in the Decapolis uh, about what has happened to him. And this is really interesting because um, in, the, in the Jewish territory, Jesus always tells those healed to be quiet, to not go and tell people, to not spread the news. But here he sends this man to be the first witness to the Gentile nations. And so you see the transition in this demoniac from first of all being a completely crazy man to coming and submitting his will to Jesus, who then heals him, but not only heals him, but sends him out with a mission, a complete 180 transformed life. And I want to compare this man to, to a wild pony, to the way that a wild pony is broken in this sense this man is also broken by Jesus. He yields to the Holy Spirit. He asks for the help and he is healed. He relinquishes himself to Jesus and Jesus then heals him. He restores him to his right mind and then makes him even more of himself than he was before. He gives him a task which is suited perhaps to his personality, which will stretch him and expand him. And he sends them, him as a witness. So what about us? Take a moment to put yourself in the in the shoes of a wild pony, if you like. We don't wild horses don't get to choose who breaks them, but we have the extraordinary freedom to choose who, will, who we will open our will up to and who we will invite into our lives. So, as we start twenty nineteen, I'd like to encourage you to take some time this week with Jesus, just saying to him, "Okay, where am I resisting you?" I do a lot of walking with my dog and every day this week I've, I've walked and I've prayed and I've said, Lord, okay, where, where am I arching my back like a baby who won't sleep? Where am I like a wild pony wrestling away from a trainer? Where am I just resistant to the Holy Spirit working in my life? And God has gently put his finger on a number of things, places where I've kind of pulled back from him whether it's in some, some of my disciplines in terms of prayer or um, where it's in some of my relationships where I've not wanted to uh, follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. 
I love that quote from C.S. Lewis uh, in his book, Surprised by Joy, and talking about the first time he ever did some inner introspective looking. And he says, for the first time, I examined myself with a seriously practical purpose. And there I found what appalled me, a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. C.S. Lewis very clearly capturing that inside himself, as inside us, there are things that battle inside us, lust, ambition, fear, hatreds. And these are the things that we want to kneel before Jesus and ask him to deal with. Denise Levitoff says, it's when we face for a moment the worst our kind can do and shudder to know the taint in our own selves, that awe cracks the mind's shell and enters the heart. I wonder where it is in your life uh, that you are resisting the move of the Holy Spirit. You're resisting because of a fear of others, fear of what people think about you, fear about speaking up for things you know to be good and true. I bet every single one of us at Incarnation has fought fear when asking a friend or neighbour to Elfer in this last few weeks. Perhaps they're going to think us crazy, unhinged, bigoted. But they, well, they may, but they may not. Face the fear. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you in that. Perhaps it's a resistance to discipline. Perhaps there are bad thing, habits you have that you don't particularly want to be broken from. Things you do in the, we do in the privacy of our own homes, which we wouldn't want the world to know about. Private habits of eating, drinking, excessive games playing or TV watching. Things which can build up over time from small choices to the point of being unhealthy if we exclude others or sequester ourselves from the world too much. Perhaps there's a resistance to quiet. Or perhaps we spend too much time with other people, reluctant to face the silence and quiet of our own homes, unable to stop the noise in case we hear the voice of the Lord speaking into our lives, the voice of God whispering words which may break our pride, our independence, which may train us. Perhaps it's a resistance to rest. Are you good at keeping your bedtimes and getting enough sleep? Are you like that, even like that baby which arches its back and refuses to settle? And so much of our resistance can be dealt with simply by yielding to the Holy Spirit, by kneeling at Jesus' feet and asking, asking the Holy Spirit to come and gently train us. A horse doesn't have to understand dressage. It has to listen to its trainer as it guides it into doing the right steps. We just have to trust our trainer. So if we want to see the kingdom of God expand and extend in our lifetimes, we have the opportunity to be broken by the Holy Spirit, to allow him to train us into righteousness. And like the demoniac, we can also be freed and sent out with a task, with a purpose in our right right mind. And so perhaps this week you could take some time to consider where you're holding back on Jesus. Look for those points of resistance in your life. There is so much fear in the story. The herdsmen were fearful, the demons were fearful, but the demoniac didn't fear Jesus. He seems to know that he is loved. And Jesus repeatedly urges us to be confident that we are beloved, that of the things that he does, he's doing in our best interests. We don't have to fear the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit might make us uncomfortable. 
He might make us uh, do, do things we are resisting. But he never forces us. He never trains us with unkindness. He encourages us to become more like ourselves, not less. There's a lovely poem that I read this week uh, by Galway Kinnell. And there's a phrase in it. Uh, Sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch it is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. This week, will you allow the Holy Spirit to come and retell you your loveliness, to offer you the spaces to grow and develop and to grow into more of who you are? The other passage for this morning was the beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, which speaks of the ways that the Holy Spirit equips us and helps us to blossom. Perhaps you could open that up and say, Okay, Lord, in 2019, I would love to grow with you. And read read and see what the Holy Spirit is offering and, and ask, what are the things that I most need for my life this year? And where can I yield to you and ask for you to grow me? Let me read some of that passage to you. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So, acknowledge your suspicion and your reluctance to be led, and then take a moment and say to the Holy Spirit, Okay, I'm in front of you. I'm grateful that you break us with kindness, by example, with patience. I'm grateful that you're going to give me gifts and you're going to give our little incarnation community gifts and each one will be slightly different, but together they will make a whole. So ask, where, which is my slot? Where am I going to grow and flourish in our community in this new year? Invite the Holy Spirit to have full access to your minds and hearts. A little bit like, um, you know, I don't know if we do it anymore, but I used to have to defrag my computer and all the little bits and pieces would come together to make make it whole and the broken parts in the system. And so maybe ask the Holy Spirit to run a defrag on your mind and heart and spirit today. It's a good thing to do on a snow day. And say, please equip me for the role I have ahead, both in, at my home, in my work, within our community, church community. Allow the Holy Spirit to have full access to your mind and heart and to prod deeply, gently at the places uh, where he can find resistance. Make 2019 the year of being broken, the year of being trained into more of the, what the Holy Spirit has for you. And you will do way more extraordinary things with him than you will on your own. You're going to be kinder, more assured, clearer in your decision-making, kinder in your actions, wiser in your work. And above all that, you will know yourself to be a beloved, beloved child of the living God as you kneel at his feet and say, come, Holy Spirit. Amen.